Hey, 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 good morning, afternoon, or evening, good people, wherever you are, wherever you happen to be, and however we're together. Thanks for being here. I'm Dave, and this is Dave's Head. So what's in my head? The first thing that's in my head has to deal with the state of Texas. Texas education, to be specific. The, <laughs> it just seems like things just happen in Texas, right? The Texas State Board of Education, also known as SBOE, unanimously, thankfully, voted last week to send back a draft proposal. The proposal used the words, quote unquote, involuntary relocation to describe slavery to second graders. Now, the idea behind this, and I'm just paraphrasing because I don't agree with it, I can't even wrap my head around it is that second graders apparently aren't mature enough or should not be exposed to the word slavery. They should in fact, instead, be told that there were some involuntarily relocated people in this world. If it sounds like I'm laughing a little bit or chuckling, I am, because it's, it's downright silly. Kind of crazy, it's downright silly. But this is kind of Texas and specifically Republican par for the course. There's this notion that cancel culture, cancel, cancel, cancel culture and wokeness and all these other things that are being complained about. Is this not the very definition of cancel culture? Aren't we canceling out factual historical history? I mean, what's next? Instead of slaves, are we going to say they were involuntarily volunteers? to do work, involuntary employees. I mean, think about this, involuntarily relocate or involuntary relocation specifically to replace the word slavery. If I told you I was involuntarily relocated from New York to LA, you think, oh, I was forced to move across the country. Okay, so you're living in LA, okay, cool. How's, it, how's LA? There's no negative connotation to that, right? You're just involuntarily relocated. I was involuntarily relocated from PA to DC. Okay. I mean, your first question might be what? You in jail, maybe? But it doesn't sound as bad, right? As slavery. If I was involuntarily punched in the face, that kind of sounds bad, right? Because that whole punch in the face part does not say something good happened. But relocation just sounds like, eh, well, just picked up and move, you know, change the scenery, better sunrise, dope sunsets, you know, got to sleep in the big house. You know, it, there's not a big negative connotation to the words involuntary relocation. It's just, it's just weird to me that that's what somebody somewhere or some people somewhere sat in a room on a conference call, Zoom, who knows what they did. And said, you know what? Instead of saying slavery, I got it. Involuntary relocation. And somebody else went, that's it. Make that make sense. You know, every 10 years, the Texas public school system has to develop new curriculum for the public schools, right? What's interesting about this year, though, back in 2021, a law was signed passed and signed that dictated how slavery and race related topics are taught in Texas public schools. Now think about that. They had to dictate exactly how 
slavery and race-related topics were taught in public schools. Why? Is it that the truth is hard to take? Here, here, here's what the law says. The law states that slavery should not be taught as part of the true founding of America, that slavery was merely a deviation of American values. Slavery was just a deviation, just a detour. There was a bad accident, went around it, right? Like kind of like, you know, you ever get to an exit and it kind of comes down straight to a light, but you can go straight through if you want to get back on that road, but you kind of, that defeats the purpose of you getting off that exit. Deviation, you got off the exit by accident, you're just waiting for the light to change, you go back up the ramp and get back on. Back to the American, the true American way. Except as we just celebrated Independence Day, or some of the country did, I should say. Some of the country's a little kind of still smartened from the fact that Juneteenth wasn't celebrated, you know, in the correct way by some people. And so they decided, I'm not celebrating Independence Day. But when you look at the true, as it says, the true founding of America, July 4th, 1776 was Independence Day. The Emancipation Proclamation wasn't until, what, 1863? So how can we then say the true founding of America wasn't rooted in slavery? I mean, rooted in a lot of bad things, with slavery being one of them. I mean, women didn't get erased until, what, years after that? But it's this, this, this inclination to whitewash or mansplain, maybe? White mansplain? Because really white men, kind of a white man, white women, black men, black women. It's kind of the order that the founding fathers kind of put priority of a human being, right? But this this inclination to retell history. It's kind of like the statues that people are complaining about being taken down. Oh, that's a part of our history. It's part of American history. Yeah, but they're kind of were slave owners who fought on the wrong side of the Civil War, but okay. That's what museums are for. But this is just straight trying to whitewash, right? Dumb down hoping that you get a generation or two of people growing up learning involuntary relocation and then the word slavery will just go away. There's a lot of that going around this country, trying to change things, change the narrative to make the history seem better than it was. We all have black sheep in our family, right? We have friends that we don't exactly agree with what they do, but they're our friends. But we admit that this person is this person, you know, personality. This person does these types of things. We don't have to whitewash, mansplain. To say, I don't like hanging with you because you do this. Or back in the day, you did that. Hey, America was kind of founded with slavery at the root of it. A civil war was kind of fought over, in part, slavery. Not no involuntary relocation. Slavery. Why we have the need to change this so bad kind of tells the story of what's going on in this country, right? If you pretty up certain things and fear monger other things, you kind of get people steering in the way that you want. Fearing one thing and embracing something else. It's all small part of the bigger picture that a lot of things in this country are kind of turning into. 
the political machine, the racial machine, the historical machine, the politics machine, the news machine, or media machine, as we say. Part of the bigger problem in this country is that the narrative of history is being changed or attempting to be changed by a certain segment of the population. Purposes completely unknown, some of the obvious ones, very much known. Texas just kind of happens to be like the spearheading of that type of stuff. The second thing that's on my mind is this stark contrast between how police see or perceive threats. If I say to you 90 shots versus taken alive, two stories should immediately pop in your head. By now you've heard, I'm assuming, about Jalen Walker and the 90 rounds fired at him as he ran away from police. Now, I should put out there, just to be factual, I'm big on facts, I'm big on telling a complete story. He was pulled over for some moving violation, did not stop right away, i.e. fled. Reports are he fired a shot from the car. At some point, he stopped the car, got out, and ran away. And then was fired upon approximately 90 times with approximately 60 of those shots hitting him in his body, killing him on the scene. Now, not pulling over, not a good look. Don't agree with it. Firing a shot while fleeing in the car at police, not a good look. Don't agree with it. Running from police after the car stops, eh, not a good look. Don't agree with it. However, executing a man and not giving him his day in court is something I also don't agree with. Because another fact in this case is no weapon was actually found on him. And so I have yet to see any reports where police believe that he was still armed while he was running away. This could be something I haven't read yet, or maybe I've missed it. However, I have not heard any account where an officer, and I believe the number was either 11 were on the scene and eight fired, or it was 11 and seven, because there were a couple witnesses to this who did not fire at all. And it might be, actually, I think it was nine, because I think it was eight white officers and one black officer that actually fired. But to me, that's judge, jury, and executioner. Especially since there was no weapon found on the person. Now, take a step back. I do have big problems with use of force by police officers. I do have a big problem with qualified immunity with police officers. I do have a big problem with this simple, an officer simply saying, I felt threatened as justification for taking a life. I 100% do. I also have a big problem, and I mentioned this, I think on a comment somewhere in the last couple of weeks on social media, but the biggest flaw in the criminal justice system is believing that officers adhere to the oath that they swear when they become an officer. The biggest flaw is assuming that a police officer is telling the truth until they're proven not to be telling the truth. Regardless of what the the communication is or the statement is or the affidavit is, the belief is that the officer is always telling the truth because they swore an oath 
we know humans are humans. We know that's not the case. Whether it's 99 out of 100 or probably more realistically, 60 out of 100. Who knows? Officers, we know, lie to make a case, lie to get their probable cause established, lie to justify their actions. We know this. However, in this case, the building up of the scene, fleeing from a pullover, firing from the car, running away, that makes many in this country say, well, he deserved it. And let's play devil's advocate a second. Let's say I'm on that side of the fence. The, you know, he did all these things. He got pulled over. All he did was just comply, right? That's the, the, the term now. Just comply. But he got pulled over. He fled. He fired a shot allegedly from the car. He got out running away from the cops. He deserved to get shot, right? Let's say I fall on that side. Let's contrast this with the Highland Park mass shooter where seven people were killed. 46 plus at least were injured when this coward used a legally purchased AR-15 style rifle amongst five weapons that he was found to have. And he fired over 70 rounds at a 4th of July parade gatherers, right? People who were there, either part of the parade or observing the parade. Seven people were killed, 46 at least were severely injured. I, listen, I was a physics and math major at one point. So I'm gonna do really simple math. Seven people were killed, at least 46 were injured. Quick math, that's 53 shots. Minimally, 53 shots. And we're not accounting for the fact that it's possible that one bullet went through two people. We're gonna assume one bullet per person. 53 minimum shots. This person fled the scene. Somehow, firing from the roof, the guy got away. Cops surrounded the building, he got away. Who knows, I have no idea. They then catch up to his car, attempt to pull him over. He flees, right? He flees, but then is apprehended peacefully at some point after the pursuit took place to stop his car. Now, I remind you, both of those two cases, both perps fired at least one shot. In the case of Jalen Walker, he fired allegedly at least exactly one shot. In the case of that coward, we just did quick math, he fired at least 53 shots and was found to have multiple weapons on him when he was apprehended. 90 shots fired at the one guy, zero fired at the other. That's the problem that people have with policing, use of force, and this perceived threat. If you gave me a blind test, I don't know their race, their sex, their age, their background, their location, nothing. I don't know anything. And I tell you, one guy fled the scene, fired one shot. One guy killed seven people, injured 46 more, fled. Which one am I going to think is more of a threat to apprehend? Blind? I'm going to say the second guy. Because I know for a fact he killed seven people. He injured 46 more, which means that seven could go up. 
I don't know the status of either weapon on either one. Right? Because it wasn't found out until after he was apprehended that he actually left the weapon on the roof. So as far as I know, he's got an AK-style weapon. He's got a handgun. He killed seven people already. I was just trying to pull him over. So how does he get 90 shots fired at him and he gets zero? That's the problem with policing in this country. I think regardless of what crime you commit or suspected of committing or about to commit, which is the standard for probable cause, right? Being able to verbally articulate a crime that you either committed or about to commit or suspected of committing. Every single person deserves their day in court. Now, the court justice system, whole different thing. It's not fair all the time. Trust me, I have personal experience with it. But every single person deserves their day in court. No one should be gunned down by trigger-happy cops. If there is imminent, immediate threat to the life of an officer, I have no problem with that officer exercising his fundamental right to live. I didn't see that immediate imminent threat to life from Jalen Walker. I haven't seen video footage of this coward being apprehended, but I would have been okay with the justification of killing him attempting to apprehend than the first guy, than Jalen Walker. This propensity to shoot first and discover, oh, there's no threat later, should come with consequences. Now, the Supreme Court, or we can call it extreme court now, but the Supreme Court has actually kind of ruled on this already, saying that a, just a mere belief that one's life is in jeopardy provides the affordability of a cop to use deadly force. Even if later it's found out there was no threat. It's the mere mindset that a cop believes my life is being threatened. I can use whatever force necessary to alleviate that threat. It's a classic case of guy has cell phone in hand. A cop yells gun. None of the other officers saw a gun, but he yelled gun and he's firing. So I got to fire because that's a threat. Classic case, right? When you get there to the suspect or the person of interest and you realize he's holding a cell phone, there's no accountability to that because in your mind, you perceive there was a threat. The Supreme Court said, all you need to do is believe that to be true. And that's good enough for the Supreme Court. That person's life be damned. And that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. Because at what point does an individual life, regardless of uniform or not, have equal weight as another individual's life? At what point do other factors come into play? This cop was having a bad day. This cop had a headache. This cop got something in his eye. At what point do we say it's a bad shoot? And I hear this thing the last part of this. I hear this thing all the time. Cops have a tough job. You know what? High crane operators have a tough job. 
airline pilots have a tough job. Those guys that connect those really high power wires way up in the sky, they have a tough job because if they touch the wrong thing or don't ground themselves properly, they're dead. Those are tough jobs. Everybody has tough jobs. I have a high pressure job at some, you know, sometimes. Having a tough job is a choice. You don't have to be a cop. You can go be a fireman. You can go be a paramedic. EMT. If you want flashing lights and a siren. We all have tough jobs. But the right to kill is not afforded to everybody with a tough job. Qualified immunity is not afforded to everybody with a tough job. But they are afforded to police. It's one of the things that needs to change. Because while I firmly believe the Highland Park mass murderer deserves to rot in a molten lava burning hot hell, I still believe he deserves his day in court. Just like Jalen Walker did. What's in my head is brought to you in part by Digga Movers, your safe and swift moving company, an A plus rated one stop shop licensed and insured moving company, providing local and long distance services on the move. For more information, visit their website at www.diggamovers.com or call 1 888 77 That's 1 888 773 4436. The last thing that's on my mind is Mitt Romney. Now, you might be going, like, What? Why do you care about Mitt Romney? Well, the Utah Republican Senator, Mitt Romney, who he actually was a party's nominee in 2012. Remember, he lost to President Obama. He wrote an interesting essay in The Atlantic this week entitled America is in Denial. It's an essay about Americans' political habits of blaming others while ignoring growing crises. And I thought this was interesting for a couple reasons. One, because there's a lot of truth to that, but also just reflecting on his political career since I've been following politics in 2000. And in many ways, he seems to be talking about himself in some of his quotes and in other ways, he's, he's spot on. So I'll go down a couple of things that he talked about. And his first quote is this, what accounts for the blithe dismissal of politically cataclysmic threats? The left think the right is at fault for ignoring climate change and the attacks on our political system. The right thinks the left is a problem for ignoring illegal immigration and the national debt. But wishful thinking happens across the political spectrum. More and more, we are a nation in denial. Now, the last part of that is very true. We are a nation in full on, full Monty denial. We're denying facts, we're denying logic, we're denying science, we're denying even moral sometimes for political gain. We are full on Monty denial mode. But the comparison between the left and the right is a little disingenuous, I'd say from Mitt. I'm gonna call him Mitt for the rest of this uh, segment. <laughs> um, if you know or follow me at all, you know that I am left centric, right? More center left, I think is probably best way to describe myself. 
I have some very liberal beliefs. I have some very conservative beliefs. I tend to lean liberal though. And so I say this is disingenuous because the examples he gave, I didn't give these examples. He gave these examples. And when you look at climate change and attacks on our political system, he says that the left thinks the right is ignoring these things. They kind of are. They literally are denying climate change is a real thing. A big portion, not all, probably not even half, I'd say, but the Trumpers, a big portion of the Republican or conservative party is really literally ignoring what happened on January 6th. I think those two things are true. And I think if you wanted to kind of do this compare and contrast between left and the right, Romney, you probably would want to pick issues where both sides are fallible, right? Because when you look at what he says, the right things to the left is big problem on illegal immigration and national debt. Illegal immigration, I'd say he might have legitimate points there. I don't think anyone is ignoring illegal immigration. I think the way it's being addressed, especially with the Muslim ban and different things that Trump was doing during his presidency was not agreed with by the left. I think we all want to curb illegal drugs coming in and, and smuggling of humans. The, the tractor trailer full of 50 something, I think it was people who perished in Texas, ironically, Texas, but perished in Texas, I think a week or so ago, nobody wants to see those things, but how we address it in the boogeyman scenario that gets put out there by the right all the time. I mean, remember the caravans are coming. They were going to take over the entire country and then they disappeared when midterms went away, right? Suddenly the fixed news of the world and those, those really conservative stations stopped talking about the caravan once midterm elections happened because they got what they wanted. They got people fearing and voting in fear. But I think specifically the national debt is a laughing mockery for him to even mention this because I think it's a conservative issue that disappears when conservatives are holding the highest office. Look at the debt and the deficit under Trump. Do the research, and this is a end of discussion type of thing. But I do agree that this nation is denial, in denial, excuse me. Very much so. There's still people in this country who believe somebody stole the election from Trump. I mean, they really believe that. Despite looking at transcripts, despite looking at lack of evidence, literally no evidence provided by the entire Trump team, all his best lawyers, right? And there are people who literally still believe it was stolen just because daddy Trump said so. There are a lot of low information, low intelligence voters in this country who follow media, follow a person, worship a person. And because of that, they believe whatever they want. And we'll go through these other quotes pretty quickly. The best thing I think that Romney said during this entire essay was this. President Joe Biden is a genuinely good man, but he has yet been unable to break through our national malady of denial, deceit, and distrust. He continued, a return of Donald Trump would feed the sickness, probably rendering it incurable. Not much needs to be dwelled on here, except truer words have never been spoken. Literally, I think if Trump wins in 2024 somehow, this country is going to go to shit. And if you think this is bad right now, this doesn't even run the same racist shit when it comes to what this country will become. Already having a Supreme Court that's extreme. 
he most likely gain the Senate. He most likely will gain or make up considerable seats in the House, if not have all three. He will attempt somehow to use the Supreme Court to get a third term. He will keep himself out of jail for his crimes. He will fear monger and turn this country into a, are you with us or against us? Except it wasn't, you know, back when Bush said it, it wasn't U.S. versus terrorists. It'll be what part of this country is with this country and what part of this country is against this country. I mean, think about it. Every time the right, and I know I'm kind of slanting this conversation against the right, but every time the right gets something they want and the left complains about it, or anybody really, because I'm an independent, so we're kind of, we complain about a lot anyway. But anytime that we complain about it, they say, well, if you don't like it, leave. Of course, you didn't see that, you know, happening now or when Obama was president. But, one, <coughs> excuse me, one of the big things that I think would fix a lot of things in this country are term limits. And I'm speaking to you, Mitt Romney. If you really want to do something about the denial in this country, put term limits in. The younger generations, and we had conversations about Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, millennials, all that stuff a couple episodes ago. All of us are tired of the old guard, specifically the old white man guard. And it's not a racial thing. It's just a makeup of Congress thing. People in this country are sick of old white men who've been around forever in the House and in the Senate telling us, whether it be me in my 40s or younger generations, 30s, 20s, what to do with their lives and how to run them. Telling us to deny science and you know what's best for us. We're kind of sick of it. And if you really want to do something about denial, Mitt Romney, put forward legislation for term limits in Congress. Take that big step. Because here's something you say, and this will be the last thing I speak on this. He says, Congress is particularly disappointing. Our elected officials put a finger in the wind more frequently than they show backbone against it. Too often, Washington demonstrates the maxim that for evil to thrive only requires good men to do nothing. You're literally describing yourself. So if you want to do something about evil, put forward legislation that puts term limits in Congress. Simple as that. I mean, you can only cling to power for so long before at some point, someone's gonna take it from you. It's much, much better to transition power than to have it taken from you. And that's where we're going in this country. The younger generation is getting more and more focused on getting the old mindset out of Washington. And I think that's why you see so much redistricting and gerrymandering and stripping voter rights and making it harder for people to vote. Because literally the old guard is terrified of losing position, place, and power. Because young, fresh ideas a new way to govern, a better, maybe more efficient democracy means their influence, their position, their power are going to be gone. 
So, Romney, if you really want to do something about evil, and you're painting yourself as someone who's good, a good man, and stop doing nothing. It's that simple. And that's what's in my head. So on July 1st, 2021, after decades long fight, student athletes across the country gained the right to make money from their names, images, and likenesses, also known as NIL. Thanks to a flurry of state law changes and NCAA policy changes, 460,000 student athletes immediately across the country received instant penalty-free ability. Because remember, making money when the NCAA used to come with a penalty. Um, to make money as an adult, remind you, from their skill or potential skill. Now, for example, Jaden Rashada, four-star QB out of Pittsburgh, who was ranked number seven quarterback uh, recruit in his 2023 recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports, reportedly signed with Miami Hurricanes for a whopping $9.5 million NIL deal. Now, apparently he turned down $11 million from University of Florida, preference, whatever, some you know back and forth between Miami and Florida personnel about tampering. Who knows? He signed with Miami. But one of the big problems I see with college and even NFL going forward is that $9.5 million more than some starting quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Main like seven or eight of them. $9.5 million is actually more than they're actually going to make. Now, the other side is the obvious cash for signing trend that's going to come from all this, right? Uh, Jaden reportedly again turned down 11 million from Florida, but Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan Addison is transferring from or to USC um, in an NIL deal for 3.5 million. Now he's only going to USC because of that that package he was able to get from, but he's going to make more, for instance, than Juju Smith-Schuster this year. Will for the Chiefs. Now, granted, Juju Smith-Schuster's stock is kind of plummeting a little bit. He's kind of done one of those one-year prove-it deals, uh, I believe, for 3.25 million with the Chiefs. So. Maybe not a great example since Juju is kind of suffering, uh, you know, from the stock perspective. But one of the reasons we're talking about sports is because I want to bring in my guest for this episode, Barry Grant Jr. A little bit about him. He's a graduate of Connecticut School of Broadcasting. He's the host of All Even Podcasts, a podcast he started in 2020, which hits on all things sports. So, Barry, welcome to Dave's Head. How's it going? What's up, Dave? Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure to be on. Happy to have you, man. Um, I know I gave a little small intro for you, but I do like to have my guests introduce themselves. So take a moment before we get into it. Tell the audience who you are, what you do, and what you're about. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you for having me. Um, my name is Barry Green Jr. I uh, started my podcast back in 2020 in the pandemic. I graduated from the Connecticut School of Broadcasting in October of 2019, and everything was kind of heading in a positive direction, and then COVID hit, and my school shut down, and all the resources went with it. So I decided to get off my couch and actually make something happen rather than sit there and cry about it. So, um, you know, I just started to speak and, you know, put my talents to use. And, you know, two years later, um, I can say that I'm still enjoying my podcast and it's it's been a great journey. I just transitioned over to a video podcast from audio. I mean, it's still streaming on all platforms audio but now you can actually see my ugly mug on youtube as well so um it's it's really really fun um you know my 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 handle all even podcast on on ig uh at all even podcast on twitter also on facebook as well not that crazy barry grand jr as well on there so um you know 
definitely a, a, a good time actually right now. Gotcha. And yeah, this, this podcast actually transitioned to YouTube and actually uh, Spotify video as well this year. So yeah, nice. I get the, the ugly mug finally being seen by everyone thing. <laughs> um, but let's jump into it. Talk about your, your journey in sports and how it became your passion. Well, I mean, sports has always been my passion, Dave. I mean, from dating back to when I was, you know, just running around. I mean, my mother put a, a Magic Johnson jersey on me very early. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a she was a Laker fan, um, and she was always adamant on me being around sports. Not saying that I would ever take to it, but you know, she just felt that the fact that I'm, you know, there's not really a a, a father figure around per se. Mm -hmm. Um, that I would gravitate towards something that I could be able to um, meet friends and meet father figures and, and be able to kind of, um, you know, grow and mature with that. So, you know, it, it actually worked out pretty well. I, um, you know, I played basketball my entire life. I didn't make it anywhere significant, obviously, but, um, you know, always grew up in sports, always had a knowledge of basketball. Baseball is actually my favorite sport, if if that makes any sense. But um, but yeah, I've I've always I've always been a sports guy, man. I used to always have conversations with my uncles mm. about basketball at a very young age, and they would always look at me like, "How do you know that?" I'm just like, "Doesn't everybody know this?" <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, so it's like I just looked at the game differently from 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 that point on, and you know, it's just it's just something I always took took or took a liking to took a uh, you know, I had talent for, mm -hmm. um, you know, I can't really do math. I never was a math <laughs> whiz in school, gotcha. but I could tell you about certain statistics back in 1986 with New York Mets. So, you know, it's just how my brain works. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those taglines that I use on my show. It's just how my brain works. So, you know, I just always love sports. Kind of like the sports rain, man. Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. <laughs> Now, much. it's funny you mentioned that baseball is your uh, your favorite sport because kind of leading to my next question was, um, you know, to me, this is kind of the desert of sports season for the year, right? It's right. just you pretty much only have baseball as a four major sports going oh, yeah. on. I'm kind of counting down to NFL season. I think we're like inside 100 days. I don't even know, but it feels like it should be. 162 Major League Baseball games per team. It's just a lot to kind of stay in tune with, but that's your favorite sport. So, yeah. March Madness being my favorite sport because it's our favorite time of the year because it's, you know, rapid right. fire games, passion, buzzer beaters, all types of stuff. Now that we know what your favorite sport is, what's your favorite time of the year with sports? Mm, that's that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Favorite time of year for me, um, I think it's October mm. because everything is kind of kicking into high gear. I mean, the NFL is, is a month in. The NBA season is about to kick off, mm -hmm. right? You you have the World Series that's that's going on. You have hockey that's starting. So all of the major sports at that time is like really like just kind of, you know, whether they're getting started or they're ending or they're mm -hmm. mid-swing, they, it's, it's all one particular motion. And I love that time of year for me, honestly. Okay. Yeah, I think March it's just it's just constant. Yeah, March Madness for me is just kind of like the ultimate, you know, single elimination tournament. You know, you get the Cinderella stories. You know, oh, the, yeah. the random Gonzaga came out of nowhere years ago and stayed up top. You right. know, those type of stories. Um, but speaking of basketball, you said NBA is starting up. We got. I want to get your opinion on this. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. And okay. um, some call him Mr. Glass, right? Um, Shannon Sharp, I believe yesterday uh, they came back from vacation on uh, first take and. He talked about uh, 
Kevin Durant running from challenges so fast that he could beat Usain Bolt in the race. <laughs> um, so he signs a big payday last year, says, eh, never mind, to Brooklyn this year, and wants out of Brooklyn. What's your thought? Is Shannon right? Uh, I mean, can we be surprised? The thing is about Kevin Durant is that Kevin Durant has always wanted the spotlight in regards to being the greatest. Mm -hmm. But he can't handle it when certain things are not in his favor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when he was in a, when he was with OKC, obviously people are kind of they're kind of more empathetic to him now due to the fact that he stayed with Russell Westbrook for yeah. 9 years and they understand that dynamic was really tough. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, he could have won a championship. He could have stayed there in OKC, and, and they were that close mm -hmm. to actually beating Golden State. Who's to say that the, the season after that they wouldn't have been able to rise to the occasion, get to the NBA Finals, and possibly beat Cleveland, whoever else represented the East. Mm -hmm. So it's always something with Kevin Durant where he listens to the outside sources because he's so sensitive and he decides to – decides to just kind of go that way um you know Brooklyn was his baby was him and Kyrie's baby they decided to go there it was Kevin Durant's decision to hire Steve Nash over a more experienced head coach like a Jacques Vaughn or keep Kenny Atkinson or something like that it was Kevin Durant that wanted to go get James Harden and sacrifice mm -hmm. all of the young pieces and the resources that they had because the team with Kyrie and KD with Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and all the picks that they had, Joe Harris, that was a decent team to compete in the East regardless. Yeah. They were going to be one of the best teams anyway, but you decided to push the superstar button and go get James Harden. And now, when everything is kind of collapsing on its head, now you're deciding that you want to go. So mm -hmm. you kind of just allow you, – you took advantage of this, I always say, this desperate franchise, and now you're, you're tucking tail and you're running. So – it, it doesn't shock me because I've always looked at Kevin Durant as what he is, a great, phenomenal scorer that's a very ultra-sensitive player mm. and, could, and should never be considered one of the goats mm. of our generation because of, because of his mental capacity and how he views things on the court and how he goes about his business. Okay. So one quick thing. I think I said um, first take. I meant undisputed. Uh, yeah, undisputed. Right. Um, but talking about what Kevin Durant's doing and a lot of NBA players are doing, CBA is up, I think, next year. I mean, I see a drastic change in the CBA and the way things are being done oh, yeah. because of all these things that players are doing. I mean, taking the power back from the owners and from the teams, really, they've got to do something to kind of curb that. So what do you think is going to happen with the CBA? I think it's definitely going to be another fight. Uh, we might be heading towards another lockout. Is it going to be an yeah. extended lockout? I don't think so. I think I – think um, I think both sides are in a good space communication wise, but there are some things that they have to iron out. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, I, I do know that the owners are going to want to have some type of conditional, um, restrictions put in with certain players or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Maybe there's another clause that they put in for contracts where if a player, deems that he wants to get traded maybe they can be able to void something I, I i don't know if the players union will ever agree to something yeah. like that but something is going to happen where they're going to try to angle to get more power but at the end of the day dave honestly you know the nba 
is a players player superstar driven league. Mm-hmm. And if a player decides that he wants to leave and go somewhere as a franchise, you have to be smart to understand that certain guys deserve that level of power and most guys don't. Mm-hmm. You know, for every LeBron James that you're going to have that's not going to abuse his power and make sure that you actually get to a a level of contendership and stay there and you know win a title here or there whatever you're gonna have a james harden that wants that control you're gonna want to have a kevin durant that wants that control you want to have a uh, um kyrie irvin that wants that control mm-hmm. you as the organization you have to kind of do your research and filter through that to see who actually deserves that type of partnership and that type of control Gotcha. And so let's let's stick on contracts for a second. And I want to give you a question follow up. So say I don't know if you have any children, but say you have a, a, a son. Do. Okay. Say you have a son yeah. who's thinking of taking a, a single track mind to one of the four major sports and thinking right. just about the contracts. Where would you tell him to, to, to focus himself just on the potential earnings and contracts? One answer. Yep. Hmm. I'll, I'll write down where I'll write down where I'm going to go with this and then I'll see yeah. you do it. If you answer the same, um, baseball. I don't know if you see that MLB. Yeah, (laughs) there there you go. I'm going baseball. Uh, I think, I think baseball, especially if you are a, a pitcher, uh, you're great. Um, you know, five, two player, everyday player, uh, the money's there. Um, And we're talking about not just annually, you know, whatever you're making for that year, but mm-hmm. the years, the length of deals that these guys are getting. We just saw a rumor that Washington offered Juan Soto 13 years at $450 million. Sheesh. So that's the type of deal that you're looking You can't get that mm-hmm. in the NBA. The yeah. only other place that you can possibly get that is probably, you know, uh, soccer, mm-hmm. you know, international soccer. But if, if, if I were to push my son somewhere, it'd be baseball in regards to money. Yeah, and, and July 1st just passed, and that's Bobby Benilla Day, which uh, for those who right. might remember way yeah, back. I'm a Mets and, fan. I yeah, love it. <laughs> yeah, it's the, I call it the greatest contract ever negotiated. Absolutely, in the absolutely. He's you get the greatest paid. businessman ever. Yeah, it's like $1.1 million until 2035. Every July 1st, yes. cut the check. Like, it's just <laughs> the greatest deal ever. Exactly. But uh, speaking of deals, I talked about the NI deals uh, in my little intro in college sports, but it was recently announced that the Big Ten is going to become the Big 16. Um, with USC and UCLA uh, joining in the 2024-2025 season. Uh, simple question, what what will the NCAA look like in 10 years? I mean, it's it's just, it's madness right now. Uh, and and mean, second part, I'll give you a second part yeah. real quick to that. Will Notre yes. Dame finally get off the pot and join a, a conference? Two great questions, two great questions. I mean, first one, let me just tackle that first. What will the NCAA look like in 10 years? I mean, you're, you're going to have all the big schools in one power conference. That's the mm-hmm. way it's going to go. That's where the money's going. Wherever the money is, is where these big schools are going. They don't mm-hmm. care where it is. They don't care what the situation is. If you're paying, that's where we're going. And, you know, it's unfortunate that's what it is. But, I mean, is it really going to kill the sport i don't think so Mm -hmm. um you know we're always going to want to see the uscs we're always going to want to see the texases the the oklahomas the you know the the ohio state so if they're all in one power conference or if there's two power conferences or you know around the whole scope of the uh, of the whole college football landscape then so be it um you know it it, it'll it'll kind of it'll make for better competition better games Mm -hmm. uh more important mid-season games Rather than there's sometimes there's a low, depending on what conference you're in. 
So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I mean, can we really know for sure what it's going to look like? No, but for what, it, what, what we're looking at right now, we're, we're looking at a, a few, if not two power conferences in college mm-hmm. football. And let's not forget, it's all stacking up just to kind of tackle my roll tide, right? Everybody wants to try right. to come at roll tide. Next. <laughs> exactly. Just, just, to, just to point and that, Nick Saban, know, put that out there. Nick, Nick Saban is not happy about it at all. No, he's not happy about all. it one bit. Um, the second question that you had was, um, sorry, what, what was it? Notre Dame. I think it's time for them to just bite the bullet and do it. The, the only reason why I know they haven't done it for so long, Dave, is because They've had the NBC deal yep. for, for decades. There's no reason for them to jump to a conference for money because they're making money hand over fist mm-hmm. with that TV deal that they have. So I think that's how they're looking at it. But from a competition standpoint, they need to join a conference because it's just time for it. You know, that old tradition of them just being solo. All right, cool. That makes sense to some. Mm-hmm. But in this new generation of athletes, these kids don't understand that. They don't care about that. You know, they want to see where Notre Dame stacks against the SEC, the Big mm-hmm. 12, the Big whatever it is. So if you put them in there, then, you know, I, I think I think that will make for great football. And um, also, too, it may be time. I don't know if they're going to do this. I don't know if this is a hot take, but it may be time for them to maybe drop their requirements mm. a little so you can get some of the real high the you know class. high level yeah. high class uh, five star athletes out there because you know their their scholastic you know their their requirements are out the roof yeah and and to be honest let's you know keep it 100 Notre Dame when faced with the real tough teams and the real big stages whether it be in the playoffs championships they don't even, really stack up they don't they, they yeah mean, I, I go back to the time my, my Alabama tied, you know, whooped Notre Dame's butt in the championship, which a little fun fact story for those, you know, everybody knows I'm an Alabama fan, but what they don't know is I was in Disney with a client of mine back when Alabama Notre Dame played in the championship. And I went into a bar that was full of Notre Dame fans. I was literally the only Alabama fan in this bar. And if you remember, this was the, uh, the team that had the linebacker that got catfished. I can't think of his name right now. Um, it was like okay. Tower or something like that was his last name. Yeah. Um, I think we got up on them pretty early in the second quarter to the point where the bar emptied out like we were up on like big it was just the most amazing night for me because they were t- like i walked in and it was like a cowboys fan walking into an eagles bar right like it was, it right. was just, enemy territory yeah yeah um but yeah just a little fun fact i, I best best bama tie you know championship that i, that nah, I, I mean, and that's and that's the thing that it just shows you the level of competition like okay Notre dame gets great players they do Mm-hmm. But they don't get the level of players that Alabama gets. They don't get the level of players that Oklahoma gets. They don't get the level of players that now USC is starting to get back. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. They have to find a way to close that gap. And joining joining a conference and also lowering their, their standards a little bit will we'll, we'll do that for them. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with the whole NIL thing, you know, the Penn State is starting to get some of the recruits. You know, yeah. a lot of recruits stayed away from Penn State. Big name, right. big school, big opportunity, but cold weather, right? Why, why right. should I go to Penn State when I can do the Florida's, USC's, yes. <clears throat> Miami's? Ohio State's pulling the big recruits now because they're right. coming, they're top tier now. Um, right. Even, you know, the South Carolinas, yep. those schools are pulling them in. So Clemson, of course, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's shift a little bit. And uh, one of the things that I noticed with, with your, your information, you said you're, you're big on movies, right? So yes. I, w- I want to talk now. I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but I know Top Gun Me just neither. came out. Me neither. I haven't and, seen it, but I want to see it. And everybody I know who's seen it or who knows somebody who's seen it, 
amazing reviews, tearjerker, just for warning people out there. Um, but I, I do personally think that there's too many movies that are just getting remakes and sequels, right? For instance, I didn't even know um, Paid in Full, I think it was. Was it Paid in Full or one of those movies? It had like part three. I had no idea. I saw it on BET the other day. I'm like, I, when did they do number two, let alone number three? Um, but are there too many movies getting redone? Is there enough originality out there, right? There's the Avatars, which I thought, you know, mind blown as far as originality. But then there's, you know, um, Men in Black six there there's all these these movies rocky there's another although i do love creed creed's one of my favorite movies but creed, creed is really um, good yes. and creed too um yeah. shout out to my tio she know what i'm talking about but um are there too many remakes of original ideas out there uh i would i you know i'm an old school movie watcher so i would say yes i mean but you know if you're gonna go in the history of film i mean remakes have always been a thing right mm -hmm. there's always been a surplus of of remakes depending on the decade that you're in like the 80s had a lot of remakes mm -hmm. back from you know scarface a lot of people don't realize scarface is a remake <laughs> and you know we just look at it like okay tony montana al pacino but they actually had an original scarface so if done right if done the right way remakes are really really good Mm -hmm. where they can be able to have an identity of their own and stand up and be fine. I agree with you to a certain extent, though, is that it's lazy. I, I say it's lazy booking. It's lazy writing. It's lazy on the on these uh, these big production studios because it's just easy money to make, right? Okay, mm -hmm. let's just remake this instead of coming up with a real creative idea like The Matrix, like you said, um, you know, Avatar, Avatar and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, we're waiting for that that next generation of great minds that to come into the the, the Hollywood business. It's tough. It's mm -hmm. tough. You, we're getting a lot of originality in TV shows and yeah. series, mm -hmm. but we're not seeing that originality translate into the blockbuster films. Because mm -hmm. I think I think whatever formula is working for them, they're just like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, let's just keep going with it. Because people are going to see the name, doesn't matter how shitty the movie is, they can be able to just go ahead and watch it due to the, the name value. Well, I mean, but, Mike, Michael know, Bay is a yeah. prime example of that, right? Michael yeah, Bay, of course. shoot him up, explosion, big big yeah. balls of fire. Yeah. He's been doing that for 20 years. Exactly. And people will say, okay, it's a Michael Bay movie. We know what to expect, and mm -hmm. we're going there. So it's it, it's it all depends on just how it's done. Like I always use RoboCop as a mm -hmm. great example. RoboCop was a cult classic, right? Mm -hmm. First two movies, not the third one. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but the remake actually was really good, mm -hmm. right? It standed on its own. It made sense in this generation that we're in that these things can actually happen with cybernetics, right? Mm -hmm. So it actually made sense in how they did the movie. I was like, you know what? I was impressed with it. Now, are we mm -hmm. going to get another, you know, spinoff to that? I don't know. But that was a great example but I, I'm with you. I like originals more than these all, all of these remakes. But if done right, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, and the funny thing about Robocop, one of my favorite scenes of all time that I kind of make fun of, is it's a funny scene when the guy falls into the pit of acid and comes out <laughs> and his skin's all hanging off yeah. and he gets hit by the car and explodes all over. Right, it. Yeah. right. It's like cheesy yeah. graphics. It's, you know, yeah. Robocop, the first one, was just horrible graphics-wise. But horrible that was graphics, one of the... But the great scenes in that movie was him getting absolutely yeah. absolutely listen i i can watch that movie right now and be fine it'd be yeah. fine you know what i mean
And then the guy who just kept saying in the commercials, I buy that for a dollar, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's 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 get serious for a minute. And um Okay. You know, we got COVID, we got wars in Ukraine, we got mass shootings, insurrections, dishonest politics, greed, all these things going on worldwide and especially in the US. Um I think personally we're we're closing in on a tipping point. You know, it could be civil war, it can be just a simple shift in government. What's the biggest threat you think to the U.S. as far as stability, right? What's the biggest threat you think we have right now? Um, homeland terrorism. Hmm. I, I think that's that's the biggest um, challenge that we are facing right now. You know, international things are always going to be international things, right? You know, there's always going to be something that happens that sparks some conflict where, you know... It, God forbid it, it, it spills over here, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's what happens in our own country. You know, these school shootings, um, you know, social media and these people that have their opinions and these these uh, these all all, all right or white nationalists or whatever it is, these extremists mm -hmm. on either side. That's the biggest fear for me because our politics, our democracy, our structure, our way of life is being is being taken under siege by our own people. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. You know, it's it's that, you know, we're not we don't believe in um, whatever structures we have in place and whether they're old they're outdated or whatever. You know, a lot of these things are put into place to protect us. And when you destroy the things that actually are put there to actually help us, then you're, you're knocking the dam down and you're allowing everything to come in. And that's just, that's not good for our country. And, mm. you know, I, I hope that people realize that, you know, they, they, they have to protect their own. They have to make sure that we are safe here. We're not taking advantage of, of all the civil liberties that we do have here, because if we don't have them anymore, then you're really going to know what, lack of free speech is mm -hmm. we don't have that here yeah and you know it's it's just it's very sad when i when i watch things and i hear people's opinions the conspiracy theories and this and that them not it's just it, it's a lot for me it really is you know me being 37 years old and i've been you know i've seen drastic changes in our government i've seen drastic changes in society i'm not an old person but for me to be 37 and seeing more than my parents did it's mm -hmm. nuts yeah. You know, so it's um, it, it's it's really scary for me to see the erosion of our, of our um, you know, of our politics and our our, our social values. Honestly, mm -hmm. yeah. Just, just before I, I I dig into that a little more, I just want to get a clarification. What do you consider old? Just want to make sure. Uh, what I consider old is like seventy five. Okay, All right, you know, cool. yeah, cool. anything, right. anything below that. I mean, you know, you're still pretty active, and you can, you know, you can move around. Seventy five. Yeah, I'm forty four. I was just, I was just making sure. No, nah, no, nah, you're, you're, you're gotcha. good, man. You're good, right, man. Cool. You can never, you can never call anybody forty four old. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Just, just, you just know, and I'm not, I'm not that far away from you, so I would never call that old. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Just, I got to check on these things. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I respect it. <laughs> but to your point, though. um, you know, the homegrown terrorists, for sure. My, to me, the, the one of the biggest threats, and I've seen the results of this. I mean, think about Trump. The yeah. white-collar crime versus blue-collar crime versus rich-poor crime. Um, and how, you know, the more money you have, the more influence you have, your crime is not really a crime anymore, right? 
the least the lower money you have the least resources you have the least connections you have crime is crime you're going to jail long time um and i think that disparity is really what's going to shift things in this country because as those who have get away with more of course it's all about money it's all about power yep. um as they accumulate more by doing things that you and i would be thrown in jail for right that kind of puts that separation between the haves and have not and kind of you know that the haves is already this this small and the have nots is already that big so absolutely. absolutely um i think the more that gets concentrated up there and that power gets up there and money gets up there it, it's just going to be a bigger threat we're just going to be a bunch oh, of yeah. ants running around a, a, a ant house or whatever you want to call it oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent, man i that that's 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 another big issue as well is that 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 gap needs to close you know, um, whether it's five or ten percent, but we we need some type of um, closer <laughs> divisions here because the, you know yeah. the the poverty the poverty level po- the poverty line has has increased since I was a child, and it's just it looks like it's getting worse. So mm-hmm. it's 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 really tough, man. It's really tough to see a lot of people struggling out there, and you know they they have these mid-level jobs that are not careers and you know it's hard to to pay their rent and and buy things for their family so you know it's 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 i, I definitely agree man and you know a lot of our politicians you know rather than them trying to do stuff uh that can be able to close that gap you know it's all it's all it's all you know positioning and oh well, i need to get reelected here so i can't mm-hmm. do this so i'm not going to do the right thing i'm just going to do what's going to get me reelected so yeah. it's a lot of dirty business that's going on right now and you know i, I don't know when that's going to turn for the positive honestly mm-hmm. but you know we can be hopeful we can be hopeful yeah i don't know if there's an actual saying or if i'm just paraphrasing something but power corrupts powerfully is something I, I remember right um so so last question before we move into the next segment so i know you kind of touched on it a little bit but i wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your podcast um a little bit i know it's sports center but dive into some yeah. of the details of what your podcast is about Oh, definitely, man. Um, you know, my podcast is pretty much like a a general national podcast. So I I'm not just one team based. I cover the NFL. I cover Major League Baseball. I you know, predominantly the Mets and Yankees because I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basketball. Um, certain things that go on, I'll cover that as well. So you know, I I, I hit everything, and you know, I have very very strong opinions. I'm pretty crazy i mean if you listen to my show i'm i'm very i'm very just off the wall and you know just try to have as much fun with it but i also um very informative and give you um certain information that maybe you haven't you didn't know Mm -hmm. uh give you a certain angle that you probably never looked at before for that certain thing i bring analogies in it for people who are not really sports savvy they can understand where I'm going with it and how to understand what's going on in this situation. So um, really, 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 really interesting show. I have a segment that I end my show with. It's called Dummy of the Week, um, where, you know, there's always somebody that comes into sports every week and does something silly. Mm -hmm. So I I go ahead and I make fun of that. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just... It's just a zany off the wall type of thing, but it's also very informative as well. And, um, you know, I have a lot of fun with it. Cool. Cool. All right. So that's the end of the Q and a, and now we're going to move into my favorite segment with my guests called first thoughts. First though, first thoughts is brought to you in part by SRA solutions, simple solutions for complex problems for over 15 years. SRA solutions has provided today's solution to prevent tomorrow's problem. 
SRA Solutions will provide you effective, efficient, robust, and reliable business intelligence, application website design, and PC support services. For more information, visit their website at www.sresolutions.org. So first thoughts is, you know, for those who have not tuned in, as I like to say, shame on you, but I'm happy you're here. The way first thoughts works is I provide a word or a phrase to my guests to get literally what's their first thought. If they're not privy to this before, because obviously that ruined the whole first thought thing. So Barry, you ready? Yes, sir. All right. So first, first thought, start out with a pretty easy one. I think MJ versus LeBron. What's your first thought? Greatest. Okay. Yeah. Feel free to elaborate if you want. I mean, those are the two best players in their generations. I mean, when you when you talk about basketball for a lot of people, you know, it's either MJ or LeBron that they speak about. You know, the mm -hmm. kids in this generation, they're only going to talk about LeBron James. Uh, kids from or men from my generation, right? You know, you're in there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, MJ was the guy. You know, I, I go the other way. I'm, I'm a Magic Johnson fan. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, those are the two pillars of basketball for the last 50 years right so um yeah i mean you know those those are the two those are the two pillars two two uh most influential basketball players yeah believe it or not i'm, a, I'm actually a wilt fan i think wilt nice has lost respect over the years and it's not like his fault. It's nothing he, he does did, not but... get the respect that he deserves a lot of times david i just want to piggyback off of your point real quick a lot of times when people mention their top 10 Wilt is not in it. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you not have Wilt Chamberlain in your top 10? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know how it happened. It's, I mean, I know there's a lot of great players that's come since Wilt was playing, but yeah. to, to forget about what he's done, you know, it's, it's I think I think the phrase, the phrase that I always use on my show, anytime something happens um, recently and people like to springboard this particular person higher than the other is prisoner of the moment mentality. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are like that, man, is that, you know, they'll say that this person's the greatest without realizing what they're saying and kind of understanding who played before them. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's so, you know. Yeah. All right. Next first look, let's shift the golf a little bit. PJ tour versus the live tour. <laughs> What's your first thought? First thought. Uh, PGA is panicking, and that's why they're behaving the way they're behaving. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they've had a monopoly on golf for centuries, and now somebody else is coming and say, hey, we just want to throw some money around and make things a little bit more interesting. We're not really trying to compete with you. We're just trying to give them another option. And if mm -hmm. they decide to come with us, then tough stuff, right? And the PGA is acting like this is going to destroy golf. It's not going to destroy yeah. golf. It's just actually going to make uh, – Make it better. I think competition is really, really good, and it makes your product better. Um, I think it'll it will force PGA to kind of change some things, and if they don't, then shame on them. Mm -hmm. So you know that's that's my thought on that. Yeah, it's like the uh, the new football league. I can't think of the name of it right now. It's not going to destroy the NFL, right? I USFL mean, or yeah. or the XFL. It's yeah. just it's it's just an alternative to give people something else that they want to watch. You know. Yeah. All right. So next first thought. Floyd Mayweather goat discussions. What's your first thought? Uh, I am I am in the minority, I guess, a lot of times. Um, I like Floyd. I think Floyd is one of the most skilled boxers we've ever seen um, all time. But I can't put him in my goat conversation. Um, mm -hmm. That is, that is um, for 
guys like Sugar Ray. That's got you know uh, guys like Marvin Hagler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just Muhammad Ali. Um, it's just it's just different. It's just it's a different level of boxer back then, and I can't really put Floyd in that. And it's no disrespect to him. It's just the mm-hmm. era that he he fought in. He didn't fight a lot of great fighters, and when he did fight guys, they were pretty much at the tail end of their careers, De La Hoya and Shane Mosley and stuff like that. So, you know, I can't really I can't really put him in that GOAT conversation for me. I can't. Well, I will say Shane was probably the one fighter who hit Floyd the hardest I've ever seen him. Right. Life. It's the only person I ever yeah. seen hit buckle his knees like that, and then after that, the fight was over. <laughs> yeah, Floyd said, okay, yep. I, I'm yeah, right yeah. <laughs> but I will say, I snuck that one in there because I'm a big Floyd fan. Um, yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, but I will say, he, he's not a goat to me, but he is one of the greatest defensive fighters I've ever seen in my Hunter, life. Uh, I think yeah. I think he might be the greatest defensive fighter yeah. we've ever seen. You know what I mean? So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, when, when I say that to people that are Floyd fans, they get offended. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's bad. I think that he's one of the greatest, you know, pure fighters out there, but I can't put him in the GOAT conversation. I just can't, gotcha. you know. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so next first thought, Deshaun Watson. What's your first thought? Ooh. Ooh. You really want me to go into this? Yes, sir. Um, First thought about Deshaun Watson, I, I just think he's a creep. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he's a guy – that is the he's an example of what most celebrities and big athletes are and what i mean by that i don't mean that every athlete is a creep i mean that there's a self-awareness issue Mm. that they don't understand how the real world works is that if 10 people say yes to them they automatically believe that this is the norm even if somebody else is very uncomfortable with a certain situation or they say no they don't hear that. They hear the first 10 people that say yes mm-hmm. and they're okay with it. So that's my thing with Deshaun Watson is that self-awareness is a big problem for him. And if you look into his history of things that he's done, um, yeah, he didn't get in trouble before, but you know he used to have porn stars at his house naked playing basketball and stuff like that. It's just, It's just that's the type of environment that he's always been comfortable in. And now he kind of let that spill over into mm-hmm. regular life and normal and regular people. If you're just if you if he was just doing this with porn stars and sex workers, I don't think that anybody would look at it any way. I mean, it's nothing offensive, right? Yeah. But you're doing things now to normal people. You're hitting them on their DMs and you're you're, you're you know going on Craigslist and stuff like that. That to me is just a sign that somebody has some type of imbalance somewhere mm-hmm. and to reward him with a 230 million dollar contract all you're doing is kind of feeding the monster mm-hmm. right so he can he has enough money to be able to buy off all these women but what has he learned if yeah. he if he continues to be able to have his career in the NFL i don't think he learns anything yeah yeah, it's uh the more you hear about this story, right? And I think nineteen of the twenty one settled or something like that. At yeah, this point. yeah, twenty or uh, twenty or twenty one or something. And the, yeah. But then there's like five or six cases left out there. Yeah. So, you know, and who knows if there's more? So, yeah, yeah, yeah this 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 gives me R. Kelly vibes, right? Definitely. Um, like yeah. you know, he's he's probably never heard no from a very young age. Right. You know, he's kind of he's you know Mister City, Mister State, Mister right. this and that, and so he's just everything he does. Oh, we'll cover it up. Don't worry about it. You right. Know? 
And so he's just gotten to the point where that's his life. He expects the yeah. wrong that he does to yeah. not be wrong. Somebody's exactly. gonna fix it. Exactly. Um, they yeah, they don't understand regular life. Yeah, so. it's 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 creepy. Like I said, it yeah. reminds me of R. Kelly a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so last first thought. Best rivalry in sports. What's your first thought? Man, best rivalry in sports. I, I would have told you Duke Carolina. Mm. Um but over the years with the one and done, it's really taken a hit in regards to how strong the rivalry is. Mm-hmm. So I won't go there anymore. Um best rivalry. Wow. That's tough. Well, I'll say, why are you thinking of that? I will say, I, I did take a lot of pleasure in Mike Krzyzewski taking that L in his, his home <laughs> season finale. Uh, never been a big Duke fan, but, you know, yeah. has, I, watching him I humble am. himself. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a yeah. miserable Duke fan right now. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, watching him go out there and grab the mic and humble himself and apologize yeah. for the performance. Yeah. But, you know, they, they did work in the crow in his face. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, man, it, it, it is what it is. Like, you know, it's just the landscape. But um, I think – I don't know, man. They, they, honestly, that's a really that's a really tough question to to, to answer now because sports is, they're so different from when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like Yankees Red Sox was heated mm-hmm. when we were when we were growing up, right? Yeah. Duke Carolina, great rivalry. Um, you had uh, Dodgers Giants, great rivalry is when we were growing up, but they, they just don't have the flair anymore because teams don't hate each other anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, Knicks Heat. That 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 type of rivalry yeah. doesn't happen anymore in basketball. It just it's it's tough to say. So, um, if I'm just gonna put a default on it, uh, I, I guess I'll just say, um, I'll say Yankees Red Sox. I'll okay. say Yankees Red Sox. Yeah, I don't think there's a, there's a wrong answer. I would probably go Bama Georgia just because you know I'm a Bama okay. fan. But I think that rivalry has, has heated up the last couple of years, especially after yeah. uh, what's his name went over to the staff. Um, I can't think of his name right now. The former Bama uh, assistant coach, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. There, there's. I mean, back in the day, you know, Nick's Heat. Um, oh my goodness, w- know, was there anything better than Nick's Heat? Like, yeah. you know what I mean, like you knew that there was going to be a fight breakout, you know, oh, yeah. uh, at some point. Like, but you know, sports is just not like that anymore. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, there's no hatred, and and not saying that. It's it's something that um, that is needed in sports. Of course, you can you want to be sportsman and stuff, but there there should be a level of animosity that you mm-hmm. have towards a team that is your rival. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it breaks out in the fight or there's some scrums or there's some you know jaw jacking back and forth. There's not enough of that in sports. There's not a there's not a real true villain anymore mm-hmm. in sports in, in regards to a single figure or a team. So it's just it's really different for me, and that's why I just feel that you know rivalries are just they just not the same anymore. You know. Yeah. No, we all can hate the Cowboys. So as long as we still have got we got that. You know? Well, I'm and, and guess what? I'm a Cowboys fan. That's the that's the. <laughs> you checking all the wrong boxes, man. I'm checking all the wrong. Boxes. I I I am what you call Dave the consummate heel. I am the villain. I that's that's the hat that I wear. I'm okay with that. I'm okay, okay with being the villain and the bad guy. And that that's that's where I have fun with it. Gotcha. So, well, as, yeah. a, as a lifelong Eagles fan, I, I listen. We, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back and forth on that one. Right. Listen, if there's one thing that we can agree on, though, we hate the the Washington team, whatever they're called, oh, yeah. Yeah, whether yeah. it's Skins, Commander, whatever they are, we hate Washington. So yeah, that's and it, fine. And it's funny, the Giants are just kind of like, eh, y'all there, we don't really care. Like, right, you know, right, just, yeah, yeah, Washington, yeah, 
Yeah, beat up on him anytime yeah. we can. Exactly. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> so. Yeah, one of my, my greatest moments was, uh, or games I can remember, is the Mike Vick game, Monday Night Football, when they went down mm. there and they beat up on him. They were up like 28 nothing. This was when um, Donovan was quarterbacking the, yeah. uh, the, the skins back then. The skins, um, yeah. And we come out first play, play action, Deshaun Watson, or Deshaun Watson. Jeez, I got him stuck like, in here. Deshaun Jackson yeah, Deshaun uh, screams Jackson. for like a 92-yard touchdown catch. <laughs> and it just blows the game wide open 10 seconds in the yeah. game. It was just, it was yeah. just amazing. Yeah, anytime but, I see Washington get beat up, man, I, I love it. I don't care who does it. I love it. Yeah, uh, I actually went to the Saints skins. I keep calling them the skins. Saints uh, team, whatever we want to call yeah. them, uh, game last year when the Saints beat up yeah. on them a little bit. It was, it was it was pretty, you know, both quarterbacks were like backups, but still, it was it was a nice beat down. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, definitely. All right, Barry, I do want to thank you for stepping in Dave's head. Before I let you go, if there's anything you want to promote or talk about, feel free to do so. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, like I said, you can catch my my show on um on YouTube. I, I post it every Sunday. Um, and you know I'm on Instagram at All Even Podcast, Twitter at All Even Podcast. Catch me on Facebook, uh, Barry Grant Jr. Uh, show is a lot of fun, just like Dave's show is very informative. Um, you know we we speak about important topics, not just sports all the time. Obviously, it's sports related. Um, but you know, we can get serious at times and really make people focus on what's important. So, um, you know, you definitely check me out there. Um, I'm available on all streaming platforms as well. If you want to check that out. So, yeah. All right, cool. Thanks again for stepping days hit. I'm actually going to follow you on IG or something. Cause once, you know, football season start, we got to yeah. go ahead. Of course, man. Of course, man. We, 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 could, we definitely got to go back and forth, man. I, I, I appreciate the banter. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Thanks again for stepping in. All right, man. My absolute favorite segment of my podcast is my grin, which stands for great reason to be in love with now. You know, my grins are usually uplifting and I try to keep them that way. But for some time now, a couple of people really close to me have been fighting cancer. One of them we had on the end of last season was Chaka Williams. One of them is my uncle. Chaka's fighting a great fight. He's, you know, maintaining his health. He's doing all the right things. He's, he's, he's doing good. Unfortunately, my uncle is not. And so it's really been a trying time in my life. And to say it's not been easy would be an understatement. You know, this part of life, death, is not something that I deal with well at all. It's literally something that impacts my eating, impacts my sleep, impacts my desire to work out, that, you know, things that I normally do. Death for, with people that are close to me impacts me tremendously. I've talked about being an empath before. I'm very empathetic. I'm very emotional. Even right now, my voice is slightly cracking. I can kind of feel it, but we're going to get through this. Ultimately, this is not about me. It's about the people I care about who are fighting the fight of their lives, fighting cancer. Mentogether.com is a website 
dedicated to making it, quote, easier to give and receive support. And it's free for everyone. As a patient, you can get advice. As family or friend of someone battling cancer, you can get advice. You can get advice on gift giving and so much more. As a patient, you can keep those who care about you informed by journaling through the website, talking about your experience, how you're winning the battle, how you're fighting, the things that have worked for you, the days that you struggle, the victories, the little small victories that you go through every single day. You can set up a calendar, calendar events, or to ask help from people. To answer that question, how can I help? And so that calendar, you can set up childcare events, meal events, visits, even rides to treatment and have your friends and family sign up for it. You can create a registry of gifts, get gift recommendations from the website. You can even create a registry for financial support because battling cancer is not something that's cheap. It's not something that's minimal time. It's not something that should be done alone. It's not something that's easy to win. Mongols battling and going through what's potentially the last days of his life. And it's something that's hard for me because there's very few people through the bulk of my life that I've been closer to. And so to watch cancer ravage the man I knew from the inside out over these past few weeks and really for almost a year or so now has been one of the struggles that I've had to deal with or deal with, I should say. But as one of the, the centers, or I should say one of the, probably the center of my family, I have a ton of videos and pictures that I've been kind of looking at randomly here and there the last few weeks. And I do take solace. I do take pleasure in knowing that I have those moments that'll be with me for as long as I'm here. We all have an end date. Every single one of us. One of the few things that I've said repeatedly, it's kind of become my mantra for the longest time now is that time is our most precious commodity. It's absolutely our most precious commodity. We never know how much we have left. And so what I ask of you is this, if you do know someone who's battling cancer, check in on them. My good friend Chaka said that, you know, one of the most difficult things that he has to answer is, do you need anything? How can I help? Because there's not necessarily an answer to that. That he's just more happy with people just saying, how are you feeling? Checking in on him. And so if you do know someone going through cancer, the cancer battle, I should say, help them win the fight. Sign up. Sign them up for mentogether.com. Have them put their thoughts down. Journal. Help other people. You solicit people in your circle to connect with them on this website. Give them words of encouragement. Sign up if they put up events, things they need on a calendar or their registry. 
See, ne you just never know that little spark, the little thing that you do, the phone call, the text, the stop by for a visit, the bringing over something they might need. How it could uplift their day and give them the energy they need to fight today's fight so they're better tomorrow for tomorrow's fight. Mentogether.com. Check it out. And to anyone going through the fight, I wish you the best. You got this. I want to thank Barry Grant Jr. for stepping in to Dave's head. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at all even podcasts there's the handle at all even podcast or on youtube check out all even podcasts on youtube and support our sponsors digger movers for all your moving needs local and nationwide find them at www.diggermovers.com again that's www.diggermovers.com and sre solutions for all your PC support services, website, application design, antivirus, even networking office setups. Check them out at www.sresolutions.org. That's www.sresolutions.org. And if you're interested in sponsoring on Dave's Head, reach out to me on any of my social media and we'll definitely make it happen. So confronting challenges, sports talk, and mending together. All great reasons to be in love with now. I love you, Uncle. That's all for this episode of Dave's Head. Follow and feedback on our Dave's Head podcast Facebook page, on Instagram and Twitter at Dave's Head Pod. Subscribe and give your sentiments at Dave's Head Podcast on YouTube and listen on your preferred podcast player at anchor.fm forward slash Dave's Head Pod. For more information on all things Dave's Head, check out our website at davesheadcard with two rs.co. Episodes premiere on the second and fourth Fridays of the month. Thanks to all my headers for tuning in and remember, enjoy life because life should be fun. Take care.